now go fuck yourself do it do it do it do it do it do it twice sideways so i figured uh, there was something i wanted to share with you and i will put it out to anyone who listens who wants to contact yeah he will well so i had brought to you previously the idea of you and i doing a side podcast about the television show new girl Mm -hmm. james yes i made it through maybe Eight minutes of the first episode, and I had to turn it off. I was so goddamn mad almost (laughs) immediately at how bad it was that I I couldn't. So unless somebody's going to give us money to do so, I'm going to cancel the new girl idea. Look, I will endure anything. I decided to get into this podcast hating horror movies, assuming that this would just be a fucking drag. So give us money. Give us lots of money because I want to make Chris do this because I'll endure anything. I give a fuck. I just want to see him have to do this. Money. James. Yes. I, it, you know me. You've seen me watch movies. I'm not usually one to talk over things or, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I, I said completely still and completely silently with my mouth agape for the first eight minutes of this episode that I then turned off and went, I can't fucking do this. Oh, give us uh, all of the money. I want to torture. Okay, I'm going to start a torture Chris campaign. If we make, hmm, what, what, what would you say the dollar amount that we would need to raise to make you watch the Gilmore Girls? Gilmore or Girls? Or not the Gilmore Girls. I meant the New Girl. New Girl, yeah. I, Either or. I don't know. I mean, Let's put it, certainly less than a thousand, but more than. Would, would a five, would a, would 500 get us a Gilmore Girls? A new Girl? Yeah, New, new Girl. <laughs> or, Gil, or Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Girls. We'll do them both. Mm hmm. Oh, that should be our new podcast. Chris and James present the girls. Fucking A. 500 bucks, we're doing it. <laughs> I mean, ah. certainly less than that. We will do it. But I, I figured I would throw that out there that I really tried, James. I really tried, just as research, to watch New Girl. Okay, so... We'll because I thought it would be funny mm-hmm. for us to talk about that. Because, you know, you can tell who we are and mm-hmm. what that show is. Yep. But my God, did I not think it was going to be that. <laughs> okay. I've got to figure out a way to receive money. Because <laughs> I want to make you do this. We, so we technically have a Patreon, I believe. Somewhere. Something that's accessible to us? Uh, that is another story. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look into this, folks. But we'll, we'll get back to this. Man. Torture Chris. It's, it's going to be a real drag if we have to, though. Mm-hmm. Because I... Part of the reason that I don't want to do it, too, is it's not really fun to listen to a podcast where it's just, man, fuck this entire thing. Fuck this. I hate it. Why? Because it sucks. Fuck you. I have heard. (laughs) Like, I, that's not engaging. I have heard that it took about half a season to start cooking. (laughs) Because I did research, yeah. You did research on New Girl after that stupid idea. Yeah. My God. I heard it starts cooking. It it, it better, because, <laughs> oh boy. 
Like, can I be very honest you with you, You can be James? honest as fuck. I'd rather watch Big Bang Theory. What? Yes. I was that mad at that show. Wow. That I would rather watch Big Bang Theory than wow. another minute of New Girl. Let's make Chris watch. Oh, we got to do a girl podcast, homie. Ha! Oh, you should the, not have mentioned this on air, Holmes. The girl, the girls. Welcome to the girls with Chris and James. <laughs> yeah, never have a female guest whatsoever. In fact, they are banned. Oh fuck! No girls <laughs> allowed. Oh, we're sure to raise some hackles with that tagline. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, fuck. We probably let's just say we don't need to do that. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of things people didn't need to do, hey everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris F, and I almost ran out of breath, and I'm your host. And I am James Marino, I'm the other one of your hosts. And, as per your request, Mr. James Marino, the mm-hmm. other one of your hosts, we, we are moving on, trudging oh, forward. To the east side. With Hell House LLC 3. To that deluxe apartment in the sky. of fire. fire. This is, uh... Have oh fun boy. with the names, homie. 2000... Oh, no, hold on. I forgot to write this down because I'm a butthole. Yes. Uh, it, the, I think it's 2019. Yes. Oh, wow. 2019. Starring Gabriel Chitri as Russell Wynn, Emily Vermilia. As Vanessa Shepard and Sam Cassie as Jeff Stone. Mm-hmm. James, would you mind if if I if I went first? No, please do. Ah. So we're we're almost at the end of our journey. Mm-hmm. Hell House Three. Hell House LLC Three. Three Pete baby. It was better than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's my opening arc. Yeah. My my opening volley. I would say my opinion of this movie is beige. <laughs> it's beige. It did the things the movie was supposed to do. It threw out the lore. It tied up some ends. Kinda. It, it did the thing, and uh, it it didn't make it made me like the second movie a little better. I still think two was just a placeholder. Ooh, it, it made me like the second one even less. The only thing that threw me at this movie, it, 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 took, it was like the one raisin in the oatmeal that just really pulled it out for me. Is, was the clown working out? <laughs> fucking hit the gym, do some power lifting, decide to mass up a fucking little. <laughs> so. This is a beefy to fucking clown, man. Let's, let's get it out there right, right away. Mm-hmm. This movie's horse shit. <laughs> Yes, but but at least it's a functioning movie. Uh huh. Whereas the second one was kind of a bad clip show that felt really tossed together. Yeah, this actually felt like they watched the second one over again and went, "Fuck, hey guys, we messed up." Mm-hmm. And they went back to a formula where they kind of you know fill us in on who these characters are and let us have moments with them mm-hmm. so that we kind of feel attached to them whatsoever. But we had to be attached to them in retrospect because we weren't attached to them from the second movie. No. At fucking all. No. So that was kind of, it was kind of like ADR. Hey, let's, let's give them more backstory. Let's 
let's have them care about the deaths now. Right, but what I'm saying is that they gave us time with each one of the individual characters so that we kind of knew who they were, knew their personalities a yeah. little more. Because the second one was flat as shit. Yeah. Didn't know or care who any of those people were, really. It was like a placeholder. Exactly. And at least this one follows characters and things that happened. It was like the second one was Contractual Obligation Part 2. Yes. And like, fuck, I, we, I can finish it. Keep writing, guys. Keep writing. Just keep writing. We'll get there. Because we, we talked about, I talked about that in the second one, or, you know, the last podcast. And it seems to be following that structure. And it did answer enough questions to make the second one worth my time. I wouldn't say it made it a better movie. It, would, made it, it gave it an extra point, in my opinion, because, again, lore is not my thing. And I'm, I can't wait to have my wife watch it because we're going to do a, we're going to, this weekend, I think we're going to do a, a marathon of movies. And I don't often sit through movies like that because I'm, I'm trying to concentrate for the, you know, podcast. And I, I, if she says something, I get irritated. Right. So, um, I'm going to watch all of them with her and, and see how she feels. Cause again, she loves all that lore. She likes the bits and pieces that push together. And I, I can't be bothered, but because of this podcast, I paid as much attention as I am able, and they really did pull in a lot of stuff. Kinda. Here's my, I guess, my biggest complaint with this film, uh, I guess, just structurally, because we'll get to the contents of it, because oh, yeah. the story's ludicrous. <laughs> story's all over the fucking place. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But my biggest complaint is that to me, it kind of almost felt structured like a Harry Potter movie. Check this out. Because every Harry Potter movie, for the first hour, hour and a half, it's just whatever fun goings-ons is happening at Hogwarts. And then it starts getting into the story. Okay, okay. This movie okay. fucks around forever mm-hmm. before the, uh, the the cult leader character shows up to actually get to like furthering the lore and story. Gotcha. The rest of it is just kind of like, well, what goofy shenanigans are happening at, at the Abaddon now? How about that win wine? Oh, man. <laughs> so that's, I guess, where we should really start because this story's ludicrous. Yeah. As soon as it started in, I expected to really hate it. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I was enjoying it structurally. It's like, all right, at least they're giving us, like, his assistant characters. We get a lot of them. The reporter character, we get a lot of her. And we get screen. some depth. Exactly. But, but they're all just absolute cartoon characters of people. Oh, my God. So we're introduced to Russell Wynn, who was uh, responsible for the first documentary, mm-hmm. or the, which would be the second movie. Yeah. Who, either way, doesn't matter. Those were, okay, those were culled from the Wynn tapes. The stuff that we see now was curated by... By the Wynn estate, which is why we get the package that we get. Because the first movie, it was confusing as to point of view. Whom, whose eyes am I seeing this through? They solved that in the second movie by kind of cobbling it together a little bit more. They figured out that works, so they really cobbled together, and they wrote the story to go with it. This was curated by such and such from the Wynn collection. Mm-hmm. But this was curated after all this stuff happened in this movie. And we're seeing that. And 
and it keeps the found footage. I think this movie would have been better if they would have fucking said, forget found footage. Yeah, just make a film. Make a film. So, Russell Wynn is an absolute caricature of millionaires, and it's it's one of the funniest things about this movie because he has a gigantic scar on his face mm-hmm. that uh, approximately 0% of the time looks believable. It looks so bad. It looked like they got it at Halloween store. And I said this about the uh, Andrew Tully, the cult leader in the second one. He reminds me of a video game character. The way that he moves, the way that he talks, his backstory that he's given, this, being this <clears throat> super young millionaire who made his first million by 25 and then went adventuring and getting into all sorts of millionaire shenanigans. Mm-hmm. and something happened to his face and now he's doing a like a performance art piece at the Abaddon Hotel because the city couldn't tell him no <laughs> and I'm just watching this if I'm watching it for story I immediately kind of checked out and went just nope let's just go with it who gives a shit this is ridiculous mm-hmm. and then there's the replacement for the other reporter for uh morning mysteries yeah is still involved and they're still showing that really crazy gory shit and afternoon television local news <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> i mean is there really local news anymore and she didn't want to do it whatsoever but as soon as Russell Wynn's name came up, then she jumped at the opportunity. Mm-hmm. For her Pulitzer. Exactly. She's going to break the story. And it's it's just very funny being introduced to him as this tall, lanky weirdo who's mm-hmm. got a gigantic scar on his face. And again, talks like a video game villain. Yes. Because, again, they're doing everything they could. And this, of course, you know me, I... I figure all the shit out. I irritated the wife. I was, we were watching some movie. I said, like, oh, he's, I wrote down, it's like, honey, read this after, after the movie. And I put it, and she, after the movie, she was just like, fuck you. Fuck you in the neck. Fuck you. I hate you. You know, about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what I will say is, it, and again, it's ridiculous because oh this God. story's horseshit. But I do like what they did with Russell Wynn's character because I expected that he was a vessel of evil. Hmm. Like he was coming to kill more people because that's how it's staged throughout the entire film. Yeah. And then the weird superhero fight that happens at the end and we find out like, oh, he was the good guy. He was the good guy. guy? There's a there's a good guy. In, whatever. Okay. Well, see, and for me, again, it was too obvious. I'm like, oh, he's the fucking good guy. Really? Yeah. I fucking, as soon as I, after like the second or the first scene I saw him, the shitty scar, the dark past, and we're not sure about, and I'm like, oh, he's a good guy. He's going to save the fucking day. Uh-huh. And I didn't care because I'll have that thought and then I'll forget I had it five minutes later and still be surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's great about my head. <laughs> but yeah, I, the movie was interesting enough that I didn't have to turn it off to take a break to watch the rest of it. Because as, as convoluted as it was, it was still a perfectly entertaining film. Mm-hmm. You know, it was something I wouldn't, I don't feel insulted for having watched it. And I thought it was, again, such a, such a good idea to go back to, again, the original formula where, no, let's just have this group of people. We don't need 75 different characters here, there, and everywhere. We don't need the paranormal 
investigator who's killed immediately. Let's just have a group of people. And there's maybe eight. Yeah. And I thought it was a very, very good idea to say, oh, well, we're just going to hand out cameras. You guys film whatever you think is necessary. And of course, they're handing cameras to fucking actors. Exactly. So you know what's going to happen. Exactly. But I thought it was really good because it keeps that pace moving where there's always something happening. And there's a reason for it. And it's not, again, I, I hate to use the same word convoluted. It's not a convoluted reason. Everybody knows, you know, we're, we're, we live in a society where everything is filmed all the time and it's not unusual for everybody to have a camera. In fact, what makes this a little difficult to believe is that not every, there's not 10,000 footages and not everybody has it because it hasn't been on YouTube and 10 billion people don't know about it. You know what I mean? Right. So that's the only, the only real reach I had to make for this movie because it explains enough and it... He states the rules again, but he is a little more hardcore about them. Do not fuck with these rules. This is this is the shit. Don't 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 just don't. Yeah, I th- and again, I think the scares are better in this one than they are in the second one because yeah. when they're getting drunk outside the hotel and the uh, redheaded girl wants to go inside because mm-hmm. they dare her to go down into the basement, that's a good fucking sequence. Yeah, and and it stays with me. There's a couple in there that stayed with me, you know, for whatever reason. Um, uh, well, I, I just wanted to stick yeah. on this for just a yeah. second and it's so fucking good because there's incremental scares along the way. Mm-hmm. It has the restraint that the second one doesn't have where it's, it, it feels like it takes quite a while for her to make her way through this maze of a hotel. Oh, it's yeah. quite a lengthy sequence and there's creepy shit happening constantly. And, but and also little parts too. You, you're just, did I see something? Did I not see something? Do I have Abaddon eyes? You know, <laughs> what? what's yeah, going on? It, you know, she would hear something and I couldn't tell if any of those uh, statues had moved mm-hmm. And also again. They're playing that little game. Again. It's like the red herring. Yeah. They're playing that game and it works this time. It works because they're letting the scene breathe. They're letting her go through this hotel. Whereas I feel like in the second movie, a lot of that shit was very, very rushed. Mm-hmm. Well, and it felt forced. It, we'll take a look at the difference. I talk often of the rhythm of movies. You know, I, I think of movies musically, too. You know, it, it, it has a certain feel to it. Um, the, the last movie, the first movie, absolutely no rhythm, and that made it perfect for what it was. The second one was attempting to get it, but, you know, it, it kept dropping a note, dropping a note, but trying to pick it up. So there was, you know, there was a theme break, theme break. You know, it, it hit that form. The one that we just watched hit, hit the tickle spot for a properly formatted movie. Mm-hmm. The the plot rose and fell at the right times. The characterizations were there. The writing was as much as it could be for what it was. So it it that's why I said the movie was beige. It hit all the right spots. I didn't dislike it, and I didn't like it. I it's there, but it's not a negative experience. So, uh, all actuality, I'd have to give this a decent rating because. Although not my cup of tea, if it came on, I wouldn't turn it off. Yeah. You know, because maybe I missed something. And maybe if I paid attention, I'd like it better. One of my favorite, and again, it's in that same sequence where she, uh, they're drinking on in front of the hotel and she goes into the basement. Again, the restraint to do it the right way. Because she walks down there and kisses that clown right on the fucking mouth. That and I was so waiting bad. for it to bite her face <coughs> because... 
that's kind of how they would have done it. It yeah. felt like in the second one, just get it done. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Where she gives this thing a big old fucking smooch and pulls her head away. And the other clown has turned its head toward her mm-hmm. again. Just that little bit of just patience, restraint. Mm-hmm. It draws those scares out so much more in me. It's like, ooh, that was fucking good. Yeah. You, you did it. You did it. And and one of the things, I'm going to have to rewatch them both again because I want to watch them with my wife. But I want to rewatch them both because there was a, a neat trick this movie did. And I don't know if you caught it. But again, you know how I said the first movie had like a stilted rhythm? Mm-hmm. And the first, like the first, second, or third scene, like the very beginning of the movie, balance that. So it made the movie kind of work out in my head. And it wasn't, it was just how they paced the action. They, they linked something back to the other movie. And then it was like, oh, I caught a rhythm I didn't notice before. And it, it's an odd thing to, to vocalize, but it, it was a real neat trick of balancing that other movie as part of a whole rather than, like if we consider these two movies as one piece, it balances together more if you watch them end to end, as opposed to, as opposed to, uh, you know, watching this one and then two months later watching that one, you might not notice it. Right. But it, I thought it was kind of a neat trick, and it shows me the skill of the director. You know, for whatever constraints they were put under, they put out an amazing movie that stands alone, with or without all the other LLCs. They started a different franchise which, although stilted to start with, is starting to work. Mm-hmm. You know, now they can throw LLC on whatever they want. What was that? The, wasn't there a, like a TV show, Friday the 13th or something, where they would get cursed objects and there would be stories behind it? I, I think that, yeah, that sounds about right. Because, yeah. yeah, the Friday the 13th series, if I remember right, had absolutely nothing to do with Jason. <laughs> right. But I'm thinking the LLC could continually do that. It's like, oh, fuck, I got this great idea and we can LLC it. You know? So... I think it's an amazing thing that he did, and I can't wait to see what else he did because of that neat little trick he did to balance those two movies for me. Because Left Alone, that first movie, just left me off. Because yeah, con- it's genuinely scary. Yeah, <laughs> but in conjunction with this one, again, the, it, it just feels better altogether as a whole piece. And I, I like that they kind of call back to a lot of the original cast like mm-hmm. being together because once again I think one of the strengths of this is giving us actual characters. We know all these actors that are going to be in this thing. Mm-hmm. We know the person who's the hairdresser. We know the effectively who's like the stage manager. Yeah. The, the portly super gay gentleman who mm-hmm. fucking rules. Fucking that dude's stole awesome. Every scene he was fucking in. I I absolutely love when he uh, was it Izzy, the uh, makeup artist, mm-hmm. like just left. And he flat out tells him like, no, Russell, fuck you. I brought my own people in on this job mm-hmm. and you are not going to treat them like that. And then cuts to, you know, his kind of solo thing. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I'm just saying she had to go. She had another obligation. Izzy, I love you, darling. Like it just adds so much depth of character so that I actually give a shit now. Mm-hmm. And, and plus I was in dance for like six years, seven years. And, um, there's that guy, every place you go and dance, there's one guy, that guy fucking down to in charge, knows everything about everybody, knows everything, setting things up and all that shit. Fucking joy to watch. But I know that guy. And he was portrayed beautifully. In fact, I think this is some of the best acting 
and some of the worst. Well, because the business manager too, he was another one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. because there's, you know, Russell, who's the millionaire. It's and like his Jeff. Yeah. His two assistants. Yeah. That dude, he was, again, he stole almost every scene he was in. Well, that guy was. Just the stern, uptight, uh, begrudgingly, all right, have your little bit of fun. But now we have to get back to this business matter. This is my job to make sure that. No, we got, I got two theories now. Either that guy is that guy or the best fucking actor in the whole goddamn film. He's very, very good. And I mean, it's a different acting style, but my other favorite character is the cult leader. Anytime he's on fucking screen, <laughs> damn, I'm watching. He I watch is, a whole movie. He is straight up a Resident Evil villain. I love him. I love watching that guy. Just swinging for the fences. More of him, please. I just want to hear him recite the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> Four score and seven years ago. Bye. <laughs> What a weird dude. So here's a question, though. Why and menacing. His, why was his face all cut up in this one? I don't know. As, as soon as he popped up, like, all right, yeah, he looks scary, but why does he have face wounds? Maybe He's a he, ghost. Maybe he actually had face wounds and they just filmed him. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe he, he got into a real scrap like a week before that. Or maybe there's a part of this movie that we missed because it was the lore about how he had the head wound and we just fucking missed it. Probably. Because, you know, that's one of those... I think this movie is set up to be rewatchable as many times as possible for the people who like that shit. It's like, I know the wife has seen the Saw, entire Saw series about 10 times. 10 fucking times. I'm like, how you watch that much? It's like, well, I didn't see this part because this part goes to that part and this part and this part. And I'm like... You watch a thousand episode animes and keep track of all that shit. I get it. I, I'm, yeah. It's not my thing. Nope. Can't do it. Just can't. I try. I can't do it. So uh, I think my absolute favorite part of this, hmm. and it was actually set up pretty fucking beautifully, when they are first talking to the guy playing the bartender. And he's got the rotating Lazy Susan. Mm-hmm. I love how they introduced that called attention to it, said, hey, that's kind of loud. Can we shut this off for this interview? Made it known that that was a thing. And then during the fucking goblin attack, they (laughs) set that camera down on the Lazy Susan, and it is fucking great. I choreographed wonderfully. I forgot about that. It was so beautiful. But I I was in work mode. So my brain clocked it and put it to the side because I'm going to get back to that later, and it didn't. I'm glad you brought it up because that was fucking ridiculous. And even before that, the tension in the scene, because the way the, the, way the shot was set, it, in my head, it was a big deal to the restaurant guy that that lazy Susan is there. And when she, t- you look at the look of pain and outrage on that guy's face, but he couldn't say anything because of the interview. Yeah, just real indignant about He's it. It's like, motherfucker. He had that motherfucker smile where you're smiling and, and you're just motherfuckering right behind it. Uh-huh. And it's that same server smile I've given to quite a few guests. <laughs> and, um, but he pegged it fucking beautifully. That was a beautiful little, little bit of acting in there. Because uh-huh. either that guy was a server and knows the deal, but they played it beautiful. Because she was just like, you know, obviously, if the shot is set up like that, it's a big deal. And for her to ask him to turn it the fuck off, I think everybody in the room was pissed. It felt like the pissed mist was rising. But again, drawing attention to it, mm-hmm. pointing it out for us. But it didn't occur to me. It was a beautiful bit of misdirection because, you know, I didn't even think about that shot afterwards. 
because it was so um, homogenous. It was actually like it a natural very, part of it. Yeah, it feels inconsequential. It yeah. feels like a dude who really likes this cool, like, spinny, lazy Susan that he has at this bar in this haunted hotel. That he happened to mention by name, his lazy Susan. Uh-huh. Pointed and, it the fuck out. <laughs> takes and, up half the screen. Well, and then to... Again, use that to set a camera on, mm-hmm. have it consistently at a constant speed, speed. rotating, while these uh, demons erupt out of the doorway and just begin massacring a room full of people. They had to do something because those demons were four dudes in fucking robes. Uh-huh. That's and, it. And again, it's the juxtaposition of like, man, that is so good, followed with like, well, why do these demons just have buck knives? Yeah. <laughs> well, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. They all just look like Ghostface from Scream. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're cult members, and that's how they sacrificed to open up the Lake of Fire. But, but aside from that, the way it was choreographed in that room of everybody moving where they needed to go to make it look good, mm-hmm. it, again, good filmmaking. I liked it. I oh. liked it a lot. And then it's funny because... Upon while I was watching it, the kill scenes were cool, right? And it was the choreographed the, the way I like them sometimes, you know. I either like them real natural to looking like where I don't want to watch anymore, or you know, John Woo. Well, they did a little bit of both, but it was so well done and, and so a natural part of this that I forgot about it until now. And I'm like, oh shit, the, the garrottings were amazing, the stabbings looked up. I, it's a, yeah, they look good enough. Yeah, and and they everything worked. I mean, the sometimes when you see an action scene and then you see the repose scene, there's giant differences because you had to reset the shot to get that shot. I didn't see that. I didn't see the seam in this movie. I didn't see the zipper on the back, except a couple scenes. <laughs> the beefy, beefy to clown. That's <laughs> yeah. it. And I really like too. Uh, during <coughs> all that fucking just pandemonium. Mm-hmm. There's the shot when they're going through the like those white lace hallways or whatever. Yeah. When it almost looks like an Argento shot where it's just stark white with almost pink looking blood. That is totes Argento, dude, because like the blood spatters, the back and the forth and the in you know, kinda of almost operatic characters. Hell yeah, this is this is Argento <laughs> as fuck, dude. Yeah, it looked cool. <laughs> well that makes me like this movie even more. Because he was, he was, apparently Cognetti was like fucking hitting for the rafters, man. Yeah. And it shows. But, I mean, we are heaping praise on this because, there, again, there are parts of this movie that I really like. But, I again, I can't hammer home enough. This story is ridiculous. It's horse shit. The, this million, we're led to believe throughout the entire film anyway, that this millionaire kind of like playboy adventure type. B- billionaire. Billion, whatever. It doesn't matter. Is now opening a performance art thing, this live horror theater at the place of one of the largest, like, unsolved massacres. In, like, no, this is fucking ridiculous. And there was nothing to end it with that billionaire mm-hmm. being an angel. Mm hmm. He's a special boy. As he and Andrew Tully get into a very short wrestling match in a, the basement of the Abaddon Hotel. Mm-hmm. For everything good about it, to wrap it up like that, I went, well, well fuck you. No, I enjoyed it because it wasn't... What was you know the, what it reminded me of? 
Hmm. Uh, God told me to. It reminded me of God told me to. And what was the one we watched? Fuck, where they were on the rooftop with the weird trying or the weird well, fucking diamonds and ascended to heaven. It almost looked like a UFO was taking them up. It oh, was, it was the one where he, the, the one where that um that guy was he was gonna give birth to the Messiah. And was it the one with the uh, the one with Tony Curtis? Yeah, yeah, Harry, that one. Fucking Erskine. It reminded me of that movie so much. So I, that made me like it that much more because, again, that feeling of just pure fuck. What the the special boy? Ah, there's a portal to hell. Yeah, you know, I, I was just enjoying the fuck out of it for that. The special boy and his ridiculous scar, and then we find out that. At the end, we find out how he got his scar was he was in a major car accident and was legally dead for two minutes mm-hmm. and came back. Yep. And and whispered something to the morning mysteries gal mm-hmm. in a bar. Again, that was one of the other things like, man, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the scares, but you're going back to the well with the conversation that we didn't hear in the very first Hell House. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the scares fell flat for me. The, like a lot of scares worked for me, but a lot of them fell flat because it was just more of the same. Yeah, glitch cam, glitch cam, glitch cam. Oh, way overused. Right. That's one thing that very much did bother me was, man, you could have just shot a lot of this regularly, and it would have been far more effective, in my opinion. Right. If you would have actually, like, done the weird lighting you did in the first one, you could have gotten away with. The, the four hooded figures, you could have just put some color on the robes. Right. And you could see flashes or, you know, make sure the eyes shine once in a while or a glint off the knife. Or, you know, something would have been more effective. Unfortunately, because of the budget, they had better lighting or whatever. And that took away from it because you could actually see the hooded figures and you're like, ah. In this one, it... It just, it feels different because you can tell they used a little higher quality cameras or mm-hmm. just at least newer. Yeah. Because or knew what they were doing with them a little more. Yeah, because that's one of the things that is so fucking great about the fir- very first Hell House is that it feels gritty. Mm-hmm. It feels like something that this touring, not even touring, but this, you know, set up Halloween company. It feels like the cameras that they would have. Yeah. Just these pieces of shit that they got. And it adds to that feel where it just feels grimy and dirty and kind of out of focus and grainy. Whereas this one's very bright and very colorful and shot on very nice cameras. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> very in focus. Yes. And, it, and that, again, takes away from a little bit. Of, but again, we they can't have the conceit of bad camera footage from a phone because everybody's phone's got triple triple XD, whatever on it, and you're not taking bad film anymore. You just can't. Mm-hmm. So glitch cam doesn't work for me. And, you know, they'd, ha- they'd have to, they should have upped the effects or something because it, it really took a lot out of it when I could see them as people. And one of the things that I wish that they would have given us a little more of and a little more clearly is the goblin spilling out of the Abaddon Hotel because there is very brief glimpses of them like attacking people outside because the police are showing up. Yeah. And it's intimated anyway that this is just a 
fucking massacre yeah. in front of this hotel. And I would have loved to have seen a little bit of that, not quite as fast, a little more in focus, mm-hmm. just absolute pandemonium going on outside this hotel as the gates of hell have opened up. Well, what I actually, now that I, in retrospect, the end death scene where they were showing all the deaths of the, the assistant producer and the people that came in and the hairdresser and the this and the that. All I could think of was opera because the death scene was like that, the way he cut it back and forth and this person and that person. I just needed opera in the background because it was very similarly shot. So this guy must, the guy who directed this Cagnetti must love him. Some Argento and all that stuff. So how did you feel about the ending ending? Because I I do think it was pretty smart to do it exactly like the death shot mm-hmm. in the original Hell House LLC. Because I forget the character's name, but it's the guy who was the, the creepy dude from the original. Yeah. Is sitting against the wall and stands up and just goes, ah, fuck. Yeah. And they the original cast is now basically ghosts yeah. stuck in this ethereal hotel because the... Abaddon has burned down. Right. And is no more. I Okay, what do I think about the ending? I don't think they could have ended any other way because unless they completely rolled out the, the setup for how in God's name they're going to have another fucking LLC, you know, they had to end it like a movie. Well, that's the, honestly the only way you could do it. And I love the fact, and you mentioned it before, about how they they really personified those characters. So they did that early, early in the movie. So it was like Chekhov's personification. There had to be a reason to do that. My initial thought before the ending of this movie was, Oh, remember when I told you that it balanced that rhythm? Well, that's part of that balance. That was like a counterweight. They're humanizing the people we saw before. Cause I can give a fuck about them. Now I give a fuck about them. So if I ever see this movie again, I've already got this pre, I already care about them. And I can watch it more for the lore. I can watch it more for the bits and pieces. So that's kind of a nice way they set it up. And I like that they ended it as a film. Mm-hmm. That part is not found footage. Right. The very end is just shot like a movie. And yeah. It, it looks great. Oh, like I love the Anytime they were in the attic. Anytime they were in the attic. Some of the best acting happened up there. Some of the, the most real, you know, where they looked like the most real people. Yeah. The conversations in the attic... I don't know if it was the actors or the atmosphere, but anytime they were in those really enclosed spaces, the acting was even better. Mm-hmm. It's like when they were in that little weird kitchen downstairs. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out what part of the house that was in or was that part of the house or anything. You know, that weird little kitchen that they had to walk upstairs? Yeah. Was that part of the basement? Oh. Because if it was, I wouldn't be the fuck down there for any goddamn amount of money ever. You can triple my pay. Go fuck yourself. I'm going home. Uh-huh. Pretty much. See, I, I, I'll i sit in a van outside. I will monitor the... I will freeze my balls off. And I will monitor the fuck out of it from the van. I'll call for help. <laughs> but I sure as fuck... Nope. I'm not going downstairs ever. In fact, if I'm more than a foot from the door, I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be like the guy in the first music. I'm going to walk two steps in and throw up and leave. Yeah, fuck this place, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Yeah, I, I, I can't stress enough too that the performance art piece that he is trying to do is <laughs> Faust. 
<coughs> it's god awful. Like, all right, you, you could have made it anything. You chose Faust. You you had to just pin the tail right on the donkey. <laughs> yeah, let, let's just um finish up drawing that target right there. This is the big red spot. We're gonna. <laughs> Hit that bullseye but right the fuck I, there. I fucking love the way that Andrew Tully introduces himself to the entire room because when they come into Insomnia, Russell mm. Wynn's production, uh, the guests have to wear just blank white masks. Yeah. So it's these two actors at this table trying to perform this rendition of Faust, mm-hmm. surrounded by people in these white masks, and in just walks Andrew Tully and just, like, puts his hand on the guy's shoulders, like, he doesn't make deals for souls, you idiot. <laughs> I loved it. And, and here's, here's how I know, because it threw me. I'm like, oh, God, that's horrible. But that, you know how hard it is to act that badly if you're a good actor? And you know they're good actors because as soon as fucking Tully hits that table, boom, they're fucking they, scared. Yeah, their demeanor changes. They're, yeah. they're trying to go on with the show. And this is where the acting gets really amazing. They're still going on with the show, so they're still kind of stiltedly acting, but they're reacting and then acting bad in that same moment. And then going to another emotion, that, that actual genuine, what the fuck? This uh-huh. is no, dude, no. So it went from bad acting to reaction to complete reaction, all in the span of a second. And and you know the chops that goddamn takes. I mean, it, it might be the equivalent of a guitar solo in a metal song. You know, it's technical or whatever, but not many people can hit that technician. You know, they can't hit that technique, and every single person in that scene fucking pegged it. Yeah. Even with Tully's cartoony ass, they somehow acted together and made it work in that scene. And it really does. It's fucking fantastic. Because, yeah, like I said, it's not like he appears out of nowhere. Like, he's he does in the room upstairs with Russell. Yeah. But then he just presumably walks downstairs and he just walks into frame. Yeah, you, you see him walk all the way into frame. You see him come in and they're not hiding it. They're not bad lighting it to see what the fuck are we seeing. Nope, Nope, it's fucking Tully, and you know it's Tully from Jump, man. You're like, oh, dude. Yep. (laughs) This is not going to end well. Oh, he's here to fuck some shit up. Mm -hmm. He's all out of Mm bubblegum. It's going to turn bad. Going to need some Bactine. So, uh, James, the next on our list is Hell House LLC 4 Origins. The the Carmichael. Oh, Carmichael Manor. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So... He, speculation time. Uh-huh. Is there anything that this that movie could do that would ruin this story? Because um, I, I bring in bring in Wynn back for any reason would fuck this up. Okay, if you brought him back for any reason, it would completely completely, you know, just fuck this whole scene up for me. Right. Because like I said, as much as the story kind of devolves into bullshit. Like, I like it well enough. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's a B-minus story for, I mean, what would be in, you know, an A to C to B film-wise. Like, it it's perfectly serviceable for a third Hell House LLC. Mm-hmm. And it wrapped everything up to where the original cast is ghosts in this house. Yep. And we've wrapped up, presumably, the Tully, what have you. And it threw me because I was like, wait... 
all everybody that survived and then i'm wondering if the like okay we know the core cast is there and they're in limbo or whatever what about the, those kids that came in you know what about them we don't know anything did they end up in the cornfield yeah because that's so fucking weird that everybody's yeah just back alive mm-hmm. knowing that they died too yeah I, again if that threw me but did it did it sour the movie actually when I started the podcast I said it was beige but in retrospect it hit all that it hits all those weird little giallos you can, I enjoy the fuck out of giallos now did not know I had a lane but fucking love giallos oh, oh that thing that I super don't like yeah we <laughs> <laughs> So it hit all the giallo spots for me. So I'm going to have to say that I really like this movie. Now, it would, would I watch it again? Yes. In fact, I'm going to. Um, what I'm hoping, no matter what this Lake of Fire turns out to be, I hope it at least kind of ties, since it's a prequel or whatever, or an origin story, I hope it throws some stuff in there that they had enough time to write to make the second movie better. <laughs> oh man. That that's what I would say is that the first one, absolutely watch it. Right. The first Hell House LLC, if you like found footage movies, it's it's one of the better ones out there. Oh yeah. It's, it's really good. It's okay, I've seen now I've seen five I think five found footage films. Something like that. Um this is my top two. Yeah, it's really good. And the second one if you're doing a marathon, this is where you can kind of, you know, check your phone, mm-hmm. do whatever, because even the lore that they set up in the second one doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think. Like, you could go directly from one to three if you really wanted to and not yeah. be missing too much of a beat. Well, again, what I'm hoping beyond all hope is, and I've done this in my D&D campaigns or my uh, Palladium campaigns, where I'm flummoxed. I, you know, like I, I kind of throw some shit out there. I've, I've done this whole series and, you know, just exactly like this where I'm like, had a great campaign, but they fucking ran me out real quick. So I'm like throwing some shit out there. And then the third one, I kind of try to tie it back up. And then when I take a break, really have time to write, really have time to think, I can start going, oh, I remember there was this character in this part that we never really touched on. So I'm going to backstory him. We're going to go back to this tavern, and I, now i got time to rewrite and to make this, this, you know, the weak spots better. And I'm hoping that they do a little bit of that to make the weak spots into better, to tie in, like, some shit that maybe we didn't know that the house did and the reason why they're, some are stuck and some aren't. Yeah, because the, any of the, like, time paradox or time travel stuff in the second one, they just completely abandoned, and I think that was a very smart idea. Mm-hmm. Oh no, absolutely. But again, I want to. I want to see if this last movie ties it in and makes a second movie better. Then I'm going to love this piece as a whole. Having watched all of them, it's solid. It's it's a solid. What do I want to talk? It's like a solid franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, if this was the '80s, fucking people would just be. You know, they'd be t-shirts of Tully along with uh, Jason and Freddy. Because it, it follows all the same tropes as those movies. Yeah. As far as, you know, the bad guy comes through a bunch of them. People die left and right. The only difference is nobody's fucking in this movie. 
No. In any of these movies, nobody's fucking. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there's no teenage tits in, in these. But otherwise, this is a fucking slasher. It's an 80s slasher. Yeah. And looked at like that as a series, it's a solid slasher, and it's a solid premise. And if you like those kind of, if you're the kind of person who'll watch all 10 Friday the 13th, or however the fuck many they are, or all 10 puppet masters, or you're that person, hey, here's a new series for you. It starts out amazing, and it gets okay, you know? Yeah. But it's solid. It, it, it never wanes, and I'm quite frankly entertained through this whole time. See, and I, again, I think this third one is such a step up from number two. I, I do feel like uh, with the exclusion of effectively the second one's cast mm-hmm. at the end, of the third, where the original cast comes back, but none of the cast from the second, I think that was a real nod to, yeah, we know. We know we fucked up. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Because <laughs> this movie, again, it's not, it's no original Hell House. Mm-hmm. It's no wreck, but it is uh, six and a half out of ten. Yeah. And it, it raised my last movie up a point. Didn't do shit. In my opinion, I will not change about the first one because I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping the last one is just as entertaining. And if it's just as entertaining, it'll it'll serve the purpose. It'd make me really happy is if it ties some of the shit to two to make it make sense. Or just completely abandons yeah. that completely. And yeah. just goes, hey, I wanted to make something like Halloween 3. Yeah. It's like, oh well, where's Michael Myers? Like, no, we're just doing a different thing. Yeah, we got we got this story. We're gonna jackknife it in here. All right? yeah. don't worry about it. It's it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I I couldn't get the funding unless I put the name Hellhouse LLC on it, but I got the funding, so I made this thing. Yeah, watch it. <laughs> yeah, because it. I'm telling you, it, I I am getting kind of excited for this one now. Well, I'm I'm enjoying this director, and I like. It feels like I'm watching a growth process, and we don't get to see that very often. Traditionally, the way movies used to be made, the only time you know a director is after he made a couple, you know, whatevers. You still don't know his name, and then all of a sudden you see a good movie by them, okay? You don't remember the little shitty parts because it's years between movies, but the way things come out now, you might not notice until it's been a series, so these you get to watch somebody develop. And to see the growth process shows me that I might have a half-assed chance uh, actually creating something because I see the growth. I, it's like um, if you're playing an instrument, you watch somebody's fucking great. Like I, want, like I loaned a friend of mine at bass, and he wanted to show me something, and he played a solo on it, and I just wanted to burn my fucking bass because I'd never be that good. What I didn't see was the fact, and I did not know, his father was the musical director for a college, her <laughs> mother was a musicologist. I didn't know any of this shit, but I just saw that. But I, what I didn't see was when he was six and trying to learn bass and sucked worse than I did, you know? But I didn't see that. But now I get to see, you know, the process in action. You know, he didn't, probably didn't expect to direct a movie movie. He thought he had his chance and he had this great idea for this, this great found footage movie. And he did this thing. Now we watched him struggle. We watched the writing struggle. We watched the getting better at filming struggle. We watched how things got tied back. And we watched how he grew and got better. Which gives me hope because I'm like, well, I'm kind of shitty now. 
But if I keep grinding, look at this motherfucker right here. Mm -hmm. If I grind hard enough, man, maybe, maybe, maybe something will happen. So, so what we're saying is that the LLC or the Hell House LLC franchise is the American dream. It is. <laughs> it is. Watch growth in action, man. Watch a guy get his chance and fucking run with it. All right. Well, I've had about enough of this, James. I certainly did. Where can people find us? They can find us at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on the Grum. They can find us on the Facebook, Instagram. And if you go to any of your podcast players where you can give us either five stars or a five-word written review, please do so. We do appreciate it. Mm -hmm. We uh, have noticed an uptick in our ratings lately, but we yeah, are yeah. still lacking in those written reviews. Five words. You lazy fuck pigs, get out there. Come on. <laughs> do the thing. Fuck pigs. Yeah. What, what, I mean, I don't know what else that we would call somebody who would consistently listen to us besides a fuck pig. A vomiteer? No. <laughs> because that makes me think of the rocketeer. How about a vomitero? Yeah, sure. Okay, los vomiteros. I, I, You'll I, never be able to I say. can't say that, though, James. <laughs> because not only physically can I just not say it, but also if I say that, I'm going to get Punched in the mouth. If I'm not sitting there, yes, you will. <laughs> Feel like me walking into Boston and trying to do an accent there. No, I'll tell everybody he earned his card. It's okay. He can he can try. It's okay. Yeah, he's yeah, all I, right. I I earned my card. Yeah, he works in the kitchen. Just shut the fuck up. You can say vomiteros. <laughs> hey, fellas, how's it going? We should be done with this, right? Now, now we've just devolved into madness. Indeed we have. And I'm very cold. Push the fucking button. My nuts are cold. Push the button. Nobody needs to hear about your nuts. Why not? Well, maybe Give they do. Give me one good reason why I can't. Okay, push the fucking button. Terrified.